0: Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across Australia, New Zealand, and throughout the Asia-Pacific region, brought to you by Insurance Business. Hello, and welcome back to IB Talk. I'm Danny Wood, News Editor of Insurance Business Australia. Today's guest is Phil Kewen, CEO of NEBA, the National Insurance Brokers Association based in Sydney. NEBA is the peak organisation for the intermediated insurance industry in Australia, representing about 450 firms and 15,000 individual brokers. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thanks, Danny. It's good to be here with you. Great, great. Now, before we went on air, you were telling me that you've been very busy with a couple of things. One of them is the new NEBA Code of Practice. It's, it's already out there, but it's due to take effect in November. What sort of support are you offering brokers and I guess what sort of issues have they been seeking help on in relation to that?
1: Yeah, I look, obviously this is um, an exciting but challenging time. Uh, it's the release of the updated code of practice. Um, came out on the 1st of March. And as you say, the transition date is the 1st of November this year, which is um, obviously a short lead time, but it was really important for us to, to get these new standards uh, into effect and really get on the front foot in terms of ensuring that we demonstrate that we're, as a profession, that we're self-regulating and that we're setting standards that are above the law. Uh, the feedback so far has been, um, has been pretty good. Uh, we have held three webinars. Um, we maxed out the registrations each time at 500. Of course, not everyone joins the, the webinars, but uh, we've had good engagement. And it's interesting, the further that we've gone through, our third webinar, for example, was the, the most engaged that we've had with a lot of questions uh, really about the implementation and the interpretation of, of, of some of the aspects. Um, you know, I think a lot of brokers... Are obviously busy doing what they need to do and our role is to make sure that everyone is aware of the new code and the new requirements of the code. It's the broker's code it's not the NEBA code and it's something that we've wanted to to set standards for all brokers to uh, to act in accordance with.
0: Increased disclosure is a a big focus of this this new version I mean how exactly does that that work in practice?
1: Yeah so I, I that's a really important thing um, and it, it does uh, flow into the quality of advice review, which includes the review of uh, remuneration, which we'll probably touch on a bit later. Um, but the, the important thing is uh, commissions has been a, an area of debate for some time. And uh, the one area that people uh, find is a sticking point about commissions is where there's not transparency. So um, under the new code, um, you know, we're asking broke... Brokers to disclose uh, the dollar amount of commissions um, for uh, for individual and small small business clients, and uh, that way they'll have a a good, uh, rich conversation with their clients about what they're doing for their clients um, and how they're getting paid for it. So, if you look at a lot of the obstacles to commissions, the main uh, issue is if people aren't aware that they're being paid. And so what we believe is by disclosing commissions to small business clients and individuals, um, then they're aware of what service is being provided, um, the level of that service, uh, what the value proposition is of the broker um, and, uh, and how they're getting paid for it. And you know, we believe that that'll result in a, in a stronger, better conversation with the client, um, but also satisfied the need for, uh, for full disclosure.
0: Is this new obligation in the code where brokers have to report other brokers who breach the code? Was, was that difficult to sell?
1: Yeah, I guess it's been one of the things that's been a bit more contentious. One of the things that brokers often say is they're very frustrated that they see things that go on with other brokers um, and there's no mechanism to actually report that. If they report someone to ASIC and it's a once-off um, uh, report, ASIC would not tend to do anything about it unless it was some sort of criminal matter. So this gives brokers the avenue to report those brokers who are not conducting themselves in accordance with the code of practice and not doing the right thing in terms of uh, the profession. And it gives them an avenue to call that out. Uh, Now, what we don't see this as is, uh, you know, opening the floodgates of lots of complaints. It's actually just more of a peer accountability And so the fact that brokers know that other brokers can um, report them, we expect that that just means that the standard will improve and everyone will ensure that they're doing the right thing.
0: The other item that's kept you up perhaps, the federal government's quality of advice review and issues papers out. What's that about in a nutshell?
1: So the quality of advice review is uh, it's an amalgamation of a number of different reviews, including uh, a review from the Life Insurance Framework, and also recommendation 2.6 of the Royal Commission uh, in regards to reviewing the uh, exemptions for conflicted remuneration for general insurance commissions. So what the government or what the previous government did um, was roll that all in together into one review uh, to look at not only commissions, but also the affordability of advice and uh, the accessibility and how potentially it can be made more simple uh, and more affordable um, because we've seen a raft of regulatory reform over the last three years that's intended to be in the best interest of the client um, but uh, it's questionable as to whether there's been any actual real value back to the end consumer so this from our perspective this is where um, the independent reviewer uh, will look at general insurance remuneration, which includes commissions, and determine whether that should be retained or not. Uh, and that comes back to what I was talking about earlier with disclosure of commissions, uh, and why we felt it was really important that we do have disclosure so that in the issues paper, when it talks about things like what we've done to manage conflicts, um, what we've done as an industry um, to ensure that that um, clients have full transparency, that we can show that we've actually proactively um, implemented our own processes through the Code of Practice to to ensure that there's full disclosure to the clients. Um, We've undertaken a a comprehensive um, response to the issues paper that went in on the 3rd of June. Um, I think it stretched over 50 pages with appendices, um, and that really is just to show uh, the work that we've done in looking at what brokers do for starters because uh, there's, there's a whole education piece here to ensure that um, those, uh, the independent reviewer and Treasury and those looking at the review and then ultimately the government who will read the final report but have a really good understanding of what a broker actually does um, and how they get paid for it and how um, there should be choice as to how brokers get paid and that includes um, commissions uh, because that's the that's the way that people can access affordable advice from the broker Uh, i think we've done a pretty pretty good job in that response we've looked at world markets to to demonstrate that there's no market um, no developed uh, insurance market that operates without commissions Um, so i I, you know really feel as if we've, we've made a compelling submission to show what brokers do um, the value they provide and how important commissions are in in that value proposition
0: how much concern was there that the government was going to try and cut commissions in some way
1: well there's, there's always a concern um, and as i say the last three years particularly post-royal commission we we saw a knee-jerk reaction um, following the uh, the banking royal commission that um, there really was this race from both sides of uh, from the, both the government and the opposition to to say we will we'll introduce measures to strengthen consumer protection um, but as i said earlier a lot of those measures you know the value of them i guess could be questioned in in terms of the effort for the you know the end the value for the end consumer you could say from a broker's perspective if you looked at the royal commission there were no examples of systemic issues regarding uh, insurance brokers. Uh, there were no examples of consumer detriment as a result of insurance brokers and indeed the payment of commissions. Um, but Commissioner Hayne did say that it was necessary to review um general insurance remuneration as part of a follow-up to, to the Royal Commission. So obviously there's always a, a possibility that um you know that there'll be a recommendation that, that comes out unfavourably. Um, fortunately, there's been a lot of industry engagement across the financial services sector and I think certainly the, the previous government and the new government have recognised that the pendulums probably swung a bit too far um, in terms of regulatory reform and now it's a good opportunity to, to take stock. Um, but we didn't want to be complacent. Um, that's why, as I say, we've introduced the Code of Practice with standards above the law to, to show that as a profession that we can uh, self-regulate. And therefore, the government doesn't find it necessary to make radical reforms that will effectively, rem- you know, if removing commissions would uh, remove the opportunity for brokers to provide affordable advice to their clients. Does the
0: recent change in government have much of a bearing on a review like this, or are you generally dealing with a fairly stable government bureaucracy?
1: Well, there is a there is a difference. Uh, the new Assistant Treasurer and Financial Services Minister, Stephen Jones, um, who's, who was in that shadow role for, for a few years, he made it quite clear when he came into the role that he was actually ideologically opposed to commissions. Uh, and and he was very open about that. Uh, but to his credit, he also said, but I, I'm open to discussion and open to debate. Um, and for the last few years, he actually has engaged... Uh, substantially with the financial services community to understand further the issues and we've seen him more recently and we saw that at the beginning of the, the year with um with uh, mortgage broker commissions where originally labor had proposed that there would be a cap on upfront mortgage broker commissions and a ban on on trail commissions and we've seen that um labor has moved away from that position and realized that they um shouldn't change something um, that's uh, in place where you've got something more than 60 percent of mortgages introduced by mortgage brokers uh, so uh, he's obviously shown that he will look at a matter investigate and um and he's happy to um to take on more information and obviously we're hoping with insurance commissions uh, he'll take the same approach considering that over 50 percent of of insurance premiums are written by insurance brokers as well so that's that's more than half of the market uh written by brokers so it's it's uh, you would think that it's important that the model be retained but as i say we can't afford to be complacent and we'll be engaging with with mr jones um with the minister um, as soon as he's available because obviously he'd be pretty busy everyone i'm sure he's got lots of letters of congratulations and uh, he'll be he'll be pretty busy, but we'll look forward to catching up with him and and again, as I say, educating further on the value of brokers.
0: Could that be the silver lining in all this regulatory change and interaction with the government? Perhaps politicians are finally starting to understand what insurance brokers
1: do. Yeah, and look, we've all got a role to play there. That's that, that's the important thing. We we can't assume that everyone knows what we do, uh, and this is why we've embarked on. An advocacy campaign, which we want to start to, to reignite now that the election's over, uh, because we want brokers to meet their local members. Uh, we want them to introduce them to their local members, to show them um, what they do, uh, to talk about their business, how many people they employ in their electorate, how many clients they serve, uh, what sort of uh, what sort of clientele they have. Because the more that that an MP or a senator can understand the business, um, what they do, the better chance they have of making an informed decision in the party room. Um, Because sometimes if they don't know anything about something, they'll just could be inclined to toe the line. Uh, Whereas if they've got a good contact, a broker, you know, something might come across their desk that talks about general insurance and they might just say, hey, I might, you know, I've, i met Fred and I might give Fred or Anne a call and ask her what this is all about. You know, that ties in with our strategy as being sort of the, the trusted advisor and trusted professional. And we want a good relationship where they can understand what we do, the value we provide, uh, recognising that, you know, MPs come and go, so we need to keep introducing ourselves to new people. Um, we can never assume that, that that information gets passed on from one to the next.
0: You're you're coming up on your one year anniversary as NIBA CEO. You started last August. How have you found it? It sounds like you've been very busy, but has there been a chance to enjoy what you're doing a bit?
1: Well, every day has been enjoyable. I got handed the <laughs> I got handed the keys on the first of November, actually. So there was a bit of a transition period um, from Dallas, uh, Dallas Booth. I mean, ten years at the helm. Uh, there was a lot to uh, there was a lot in his head. Um, I was told that I had big shoes to fill and. Um, the only response I, I had to that was I was just going to buy my own shoes. So from the first of November, look, we've, we've had a lot to do. Uh, we've had to introduce the code, uh, which was, you know, quite a substantial piece of work, obviously. Uh, and full credit to the, the Neva board who did a lot of work. You know, most of the hard work was done before I started, uh, which was op- opportune for me. Uh, it was just sort of fine tuning the, the remainder of the code, but yeah, we have a very effective board that, um, really has the, the interests of uh, the future uh, of brokers at heart. There's many things that I would like to, to continue working on. Uh, and it's great to see now that we're managing to, to, to hold events again. Um, we've got a symposium coming up in October that I'm looking forward to. We'll be updating the, the NEBA constitution. But really the, the focus is on the quality of advice review. That final paper is due to be uh, released on the 16th of December. Uh, There's data collection going on at the moment. uh, And we're working with treasury uh, trying to assist in that, in that process. You know, from my perspective, uh, I'm really looking forward to engaging with now that borders are open, we're traveling, we're going to events, um, meeting more brokers and a really getting an understanding of some of the challenges. Um, I guess the, the one area that we're all looking at is just the, the, the market at the moment and the, the difficulty in placing certain risks. And I'm looking forward to working more closely with um, the insurance council um, to, uh, to see what we can do uh, because as an industry, we're, we're, we are facing a challenge in certain markets and also with natural disasters. So I think collectively, with brokers, with insurance council, and with the government, we've got opportunities to to look at ways we can you know, mitigate against disasters, uh, but also come up with more innovative ways to um, to ensure that that uh, clients can get uh, the insurance protection they need.
0: Can we talk about that a little more? The hard insurance market is contributing to to making insurance unaffordable for some people in areas like amusement and leisure and flood coverage. But are you gathering any more clues about? What can be done there?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I don't have the, the magic wand, unfortunately. What we definitely are seeing is is a repricing. And it's trying to understand what that pricing looks like and recognising that brokers play a really good role in helping uh, helping clients uh, understand their risk and, and reduce their risk. I think we underestimate that in terms of, uh, you know, we're having a discussion with um, the en- engineers the other day through the Business Advisory Council, and what was identified is how brokers can play a role in helping them understand how they can actually reduce their risk uh, and improve their insurance. And I think that's that's something that we can focus on more, is um, is using that, that, that expertise that, that they pick up uh in uh, in helping their clients to to not just place the risk but but actually you know, reduce the risk uh but you know there's going to be a lot of other discussions i saw dominic Perite, new south wales premier the other day talk about the lismore inquiry into the the floods there and consideration around you know, relocating people in in flood prone areas and i think that's going to be a, a a stronger conversation in the future it's it's a bit of a challenge because you You've got people who've wanted to restart and rebuild, but there's the question mark is, should you know, we rebuild in the same position where the same thing could happen in a couple of years' time? There's a, a broader discussion there as well.
0: Phil Kewen, thanks for joining us on IB Talk. Thanks, Danny. Phil Kewen is CEO of NIBA, the National Insurance Brokers Association based in Sydney. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.